Hello? Is anyone home? Colder? <laughs> oh, hey, if it isn't my good friend Dolan. What's up? Colder, good to see you as always. But we should cut through the pleasantries and hop straight into business. All right, I know that you're a busy guy. That's right. And so are you, which is why we have to get around to changing your identity. Did you say which? No, not yet. <laughs> yes. My associate and I here. Hey, how's it going? I'm here. I'm Chloe. Hi. If you couldn't tell, I'm a witch. <laughs> That's right. And we did say witch, but don't uh, do not do it yet. <laughs> don't do the thing. Oh, no, I'm, I'm a friendly witch. I, I want to work with you guys. Yes, that's right. But like I was saying, <laughs> we've got to get you a new ID. You've been using this one now for a very long time. It's time we get you a new one. That probably makes a lot of sense. I don't think people are going to believe that I'm still a youthful breakdancer. That's right. Breakdancing isn't what it used to be. <laughs> I mean, you do look the part, but uh, hey, I have an idea. We'll enroll you in a local high school. You you were made immortal when you were young, right? Uh, a, high, a high school? Yeah. You know, it'll be perfect. You'll blend in with other people that are your age or that look your age. It's true. Your youthful, massive frame might serve you well. Yeah, we all know that immortal beings love being in high school. We we do? Yeah. It's, it's like the thing. Well, I can see you're not convinced. So let's review some of the skills an immortal would need to go into a high school. Okay. Yeah, I mean, um, let's see. How would you fit in? Are you kind of moody? Do you have mood swings up and down? Not really. I'm actually pretty gregarious and I get along really well with people. Oh, oh, okay, okay. So, well, let's keep going. Let's keep going. How is it for you when you go out during the day? Can you can you go out during the day? Do you need an umbrella or anything to cover your sparkly skin? Uh, well, you know, I have the bald head, so it kind of shines a little bit in the sun, but that's about it. Okay, okay. How about this? When you see something that you think is really hot, you're really attracted to them, what's your first instinct? Well, I know one thing. It definitely does not make me put on like a vomit face like I'm trying to throw up. I don't do that at all. Calder, it seems like you haven't really been reading the study material. Yeah, have you even watched the Twilight movies at all? Guys, I think I'm going to disappoint you here, but I know that I'm an immortal being who fights evil and maintains a opulent lifestyle and lives in isolation, but I'm not a vampire, and this isn't Twilight. Oh. Hmm. I think I'm going to have to revisit my notes. <laughs> People get confused about this all the time.
Hello, fantasy fans, and welcome to a very scary episode of Swords and Satire. Yeah, with that spooky music we just had. <laughs> it's the best. You know, it has been said that this is the podcast where we turn scary low fantasy into terrifying high art. But anyways, I am <laughs> your ghoulish dungeon manager, Jamie Mogul. My pronouns are he and him. And I am here with my witchy co-hosts. We'll leave it up to our many fans if we live up to the hype. <laughs> right of the letter. <laughs> Who fucking writes anymore, Jamie? I make my students write every day. Okay, well. And they hate it. No, they're, I asked them the other day. Some liked it. Most of them were completely indifferent, and only one student hated it. So that's a pretty good statistic as far as I'm concerned. True. Yeah, I mean, you're getting through to some of them, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Make them write in cursive. Uh, no, I'm trying to get them to not write in cursive. I don't think they've been taught cursive. I some of them have been taught cursive. Learning to write in cursive and then learning you'll never need it is the start of ennui for every person in the U.S. That's probably fair. That's why our education system is failing. Hey, <laughs> quit cursing. If. <laughs> if. <laughs> Cursifying. Anyway, my name is Cassidy. My pronouns are they, them... You know, I'm a candy apple tree. Oh, nice. Uh, Are you from Candy Apple Island? No. That's a trick question. That's an island full of apes. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I, I, I don't even have glamour on me. And it's not caramel. Not like you think. Oh, no. What is it? The apples are just candied. Oh, oh, oh. convenient. And the how of which is unknowable. I'm glad they were to get a Simpsons Halloween reference in here, too. Yes. Uh, but yeah, um, I actually don't like kids enough. <laughs> I hate kids. <laughs> uh, somehow, please don't take this out of context. Somehow they keep uh, finding their way to my tree and, and picking my apples. Well, that just sounds like quite the nuisance. Oh, yeah. But yeah, rough, rough gig, bud. I sometimes use glamour to make it look like my apples are rotting just to deter them. Smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A glamour within a glamour. Wait, no, there is no just one glamour. <laughs> it's a glamourception. That's yeah. right. It's just the reverse. Yes. I like that. <laughs> it's one of those glow downs instead of glow ups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I glow down every day. <laughs> yeah. But who am I? Well, I'm Jack Olander. My pronouns are any and all. I'll take what you got. Take everyone else's. And me? <laughs> I'm the prime Merlinian. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, wrong God. movie. <laughs> I heard there, there are witches and wizards in this setting, and I showed up. <laughs> oh, my God. Have we ever had a Vin Diesel Nick Cage film? Is that a thing that exists in the world? If not, I don't think we can, because if they were to be in the same movie, I think uh, the universe would implode upon itself. I'm willing to risk it. Yeah, that the yin-yang energy, I don't know if it fits with that. I think it might be like putting two positive sides of a magnet together. It's a hat on a hat. You gotta smash them together. 
Make well, some kind of double hat. I think it, <laughs> now, see what you're describing is more like Vin Diesel and uh, Dwayne Johnson. Well, we've yeah. had lots of movies with them, or at least we've had a handful of movies where they've been together. They're like oil and water. That is true. Um, and they create a polarity together. But <laughs> if you get Nick Cage and uh, Vin Diesel together, it's just like it creates a black hole. It, it's too dense. It's too dense. The the comedy gold and the charisma. I just don't think we could survive it. Yeah, I'm willing to risk it. I'm I'm petitioning for this. For, I'm going to do some research. I could see it. I could see it. All right, I'm down. I'll I'm willing to risk it. Guys, season of the last witch hunter. Yes. <laughs> yes. Or just the next Fast and Furious movie. Oh god, Cage needs to be in a Fast and Furious. I mean, that's a given. Yeah. <laughs> that was part of your intro. <laughs> yes. Yes, it was. Anyways, I'm a movie starring Nicolas Cage and Ben Digital. Yes. I forget what you said you were. The prime Merlinian. Oh, yeah. You started this. I blame Jack for this. Yeah, Merlin time. <laughs> I mean, honestly, we could slap this movie together with The Sorcerer's Apprentice. I mean, they're both like immortal beings who existed in a fantastical past and have survived all the way to, I believe both modern New York, right? Yes. Yeah, it's true. And there's that Russian nesting doll with the different, you know, dark wizards stuck inside yeah. of it. You could easily just put the witch queen's heart inside. Yup. Oh yeah, it's true. Yeah. Guys, I think we've got our rewriting history plan for this month. Yes. Oh shit, you're right. I just shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry? <laughs> for all of us? We should probably hop into the... <laughs> Anyways, this week we are going to be talking about the 2015 absolute fantasy classic as we kick off Scares and Satire, which I totally forgot to say the right name of our show at the beginning because this is October. This is the month when we do all horror fantasy and dark fantasy and other types of Halloween and spooky themed fantasy movies, which we're all very excited about. That's right. Yes. Actually, this is going to be the month when we return to doing all movie episodes here on Swords and Satire slash Scares and Satire. Yeah. So we'll be doing it for October and beyond. I'm looking forward to it. Getting back to our roots. But anyways, why don't we introduce and discuss the Breck Eisner directed classic film, The Last Witch Hunter, starring Vincent Diesel (laughs) and others. Mr. Diesel. (laughs) Who else do we have? We've got Michael Caine, of course. Yes. Who returned to acting to help out his old buddy Vin in this role. I know. We're going to talk more about that. We've got Rose Leslie from Game of Thrones, uh, a great actor who is probably woefully underused in this part. Elijah Wood Mm. and some other uh, really fun character actors. Olaf Olafson. Olaf Fur Dari Olafson. Okay. Star of, of course, Nose 482. Yeah, he's our villain. You can't just discount him. No, that's true. Good point. Our villain, Belial. God damn it. <laughs> well, he's also named Balthasar, right? Balsack. 
<laughs> but I mean, that's a lot of technical information. We should probably get to a quick summary. <laughs> Is this episode scary enough for you, listeners? <laughs> So, what happens in this movie? In this <laughs> Open movie, to a big fucking Dark Souls tree. That's true. And then there's a, a campaign to go take out the Witch Queen. That's that, right, a D&D campaign. Pretty much. <laughs> and uh, she's got her coven there with her. Living inside the tree. They're humanoid, but they're actually not human. They're kind of like fey creatures. The witches. That's right. The witches and warlocks. <laughs> I feel like there's no warlocks in this movie. We've got witches and we've got like demons. But that's about it. We've got Balsack. Is he? I thought he was like a demon. Is usually, he like a hell no. monster? Usually male witches are just called warlocks. Oh, yeah. I guess that's true. And then there's Max also. Yeah. Max? Yeah, he's, he's the he baker. Has the power of blindness. <laughs> Overpowered. He's also the blind black man trope. Oh, yes. good point. Which is unfortunate. Uh, I do like him, but you know. I mean, the actor who plays him is great, and yeah. the film is a trip, but. So, <laughs> yeah, Calder's part of that team, and he. Takes out the witch queen, or does he? Because bef- with her dying breath, <laughs> she re- she just sticks her hand right in his chest there. Just like, don't mind if she does. Just sticks her fingers right in his chest there. I hate when that happens. <laughs> uh, you know, gets her tendrils in his heart, her claws in him. And uh, yeah, you know how witches are always getting their claws in you and literally ripping out your heart. What is she- he trying to get himself killed? He was, because all of his family died in the plague that she started. But, so, and she's an environmentalist because... Because she lives in a tree. Uh, she, she says the humans are like a virus, so she set the plague on them to rid their world of the human infiltration or whatever. I'm just going to say, right now, based... So it's like there used to be more fae creatures and magic in the past, basically. So anyway, she gets her fingers in him, right? She's palpitating his heart. Oh, God. Um, and she's in a film that's only PG-13. She injects him with a little bit of immortality, right? And uh, he's not too happy about that. He's like, what you doing to me? And she's like, yeah, see, you're cursed. <laughs> you want to die? Nope. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. I curse you with the worst possible thing. You cannot die. Uh, okay. And cut to 800 years later. Calder's still around and kicking, and he's in New York City. Let me guess. He's a brooding wanderer misanthrope with no connections and no friends. I mean, he's he's pretty charismatic, and he likes people, so. Oh. So, he... He's not the brooding immortal type. So immortality is less of a curse and more of a opportunity to like work on himself. Yeah, something like that. Huh, interesting take. 
And he's found friendship with a younger man. True. Michael Caine. A much younger man. Yes. <sighs> Calls him kid. Um, yeah, Michael Caine plays Father Dolan, the 36th Dolan. He's part of the Order of the Axe and Cross. And uh, the- Ah, yes. The old Axe and Cross. They're kind of like a Catholic order or something. But the Dolans are there. <laughs> Catholic or something. <laughs> Generic fantasy movie Catholics. But the Dolans are there to like be Calder's handler and like help him find the witches' covens that they need to take out. Well, somebody's got to do it. But they don't just kill witches discriminately or anything. There is like an order to things now, and there's a witch council and a legal system. Yeah, he's uh, kind of a... Calder's a bit of a Geralt witcher type. Yeah, I suppose so. Like, if the witches aren't going to harm humans in any way and they stick to their laws and everything, then uh, they can coexist peacefully. Hmm. Sounds a little fash, but okay. Yeah, it is. It's a little bit, like, separate but equal kind of deal. Yeah, it's a little cringe. It's sort of like, if you're not doing anything wrong, you have no reason to be scared of me who kills people like you for a living. Oh, God. Yeah. Am I going to end up hating this movie by the end of this episode? I don't think so, because the witches are coded as evil. (laughs) (laughs) Am I going to end up hating this movie by the end of this episode? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) So, we get this fun friendship between the 36th Dolan and Calder. Oh, my God. It is just the best. So I don't want to be hyperbolic, but if I were to say that their friendship was the greatest thing to ever be captured on film, I don't think I'd be out of line. They did have a great dynamic. Excellent chemistry. But so- On the other hand, Vin Diesel and the female lead, not so good. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and we're going to get into that, but basically that's short-lived and then uh, the 36 Dolan dies. No! And then there's a murder investigation, what you want in every fantasy movie. So this is basically like fantasy Sherlock Holmes, in a way. This is a witcher. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So during the investigation, uh, Calder gets into the seedy underbelly of the witchy world of New York. Yeah, the seediest witchy belly. (laughs) During part of it, he has the 37th Dolan along with him, played by Elijah Wood. And um, after one point, he has a witch named Chloe helping him out after he got her bar burned down. The previously mentioned Rose Leslie with the previously mentioned no chemistry with Vin Diesel. And during this investigation, we see that he has all these contacts in the witchy world who he goes to for information. So, just for the listener's sake of understanding, this character of Calder is literally based on Vin Diesel's D&D character from when he was a kid, and this was, like, the fantasy movie he always wanted to make, and that's what they do. They just, like, have a solo D&D adventure, basically, with, like, the main character and his band of helpers who go around doing fun D&D stuff, like, getting into weird bar fights And, like, having outrageous adventures with, like, magical candy trees and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe that's why he has such awkward chemistry with Chloe. 
because it's like his kid self playing <laughs> D&D and being like, is that witch hot? I do her. Oh, God. It does have big, I want to do the girl's uh, energy. Yeah. That is such a massive core of this character. Yeah. I mean, the fact that he is a 12-year-old D&D character brought to the silver screen is actually very on brand. Yeah. Yeah. Or very believable, I should say. And uh, turns out the powerful warlock Belial. That's right. I'll say it that way, I guess. The Lord of Mispronunciations. <laughs> yeah. Um, is trying to resurrect is trying to resurrect the witch queen. <laughs> the Lord of Mispronunciations got you. Have you been cursed by the demon? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Or I'll never tell. Um, <laughs> and uh, so he and Belial face off a few times. Uh, turns out there was somebody named Elik who took the fall for him once, and we see that they like imprison witches that break the law. Yeah, they got a big fuck-off Dark Souls monster to imprison witches. Mm -hmm. Now, this is a modern-day setting right now. Yeah. I don't so, know. That's 2015 was a long time ago. <laughs> that's right. That's true. That must be why their names are so exotic. That's right. <laughs> when was the last time you met a Chloe? Uh, it's been a sec. Yeah. A couple of days, at least. And some secrets from... Calder's past are past are revealed. Dun dun dun. Past noises. <laughs> like the fact that his order lied to him and they kept the witch queen's heart. Why would they do that? Cuz he dead if they don't. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying it's a good thing. He doesn't see it that way. He wants to die. Does he though? He wants to see his loved ones again. Okay, that's fair. And he's a Christian, so he fully believes that he will see them. Hmm. Yeah, so the companion knights are like, kill the witch queen's heart, do it. But he do isn't. And <laughs> do was not. <laughs> he do isn't and does it. <laughs> <laughs> and another secret, turns out the 37th Dolan was actually somebody from... Calder's past, and he saved him from a burning building. But he knew that. But it turns out that he didn't save the boy from witches. He took a boy that was abandoned by witch parents because he has no magic. Oh, is that what happened? I thought that Calder killed his parents. He did. Yeah, no, that was he, Calder kills the parents thinking that he's saving the kid, but it's actually their kid. I was very confused by that. Yeah, it's it very was, contrived. The way it was explained was kind of like an aha moment, but it was very convoluted. <laughs> it's an incredibly predictable plot twist that I feel like they telegraph from like the very beginning, but also it feels mostly meaningless and not especially dramatic. Come on, he's the villain. He was wearing a turtleneck the whole time. Oh, that's fair. Well, like yeah. I said, they telegraphed it. <laughs> What's he trying to hide under that neck? His evil? <laughs> Maybe he's just into BDSM. There's like a plot yeah. point that he has burns on him that like never comes back though. Oh yeah. Like his hand is slightly burned and then they never show it or use it any ever again other than to just be like, oh, actually the witches you killed 
were my parents. So it's kind of predictable ending like every other murder mystery that you've ever seen. It ends with them stopping the apocalypse. (laughs) I was going to say, it's always the witch queen. She's always the one (laughs) who sets the uh, murder into effect. It's a nice gritty murder case. And then they just have to ratchet it up to stopping the apocalypse from happening. Okay, people. Works for me. Whoops. <laughs> they do resurrect the Witch Queen, who unfortunately was birthed out of Max's body, unfortunately, oh, which was too bad. Poor Max. Took very little spellcraft to bring her back to life. All they needed was just to get their hands on the heart. Well, yeah, they buried it in grave dirt and then like said a few words over it. Yeah. You know, magic really do be like that. Yeah. I think you just need to know how to talk to the earth and be a fey creature. The real magic were the witches we met along the way. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, they find the weak link in all of the imprisoned witches, which the witch queen is (laughs) using. How many more times do you get the word witch into this sentence? It's different spellings. Um... (laughs) she's using all of those witches as like a chain to chant while they're in stasis witch chant (laughs) to bring about another plague witch plague (laughs) to to kill that's true actually (laughs) Um, (laughs) to kill uh all the humans right who are not witches right they're just bland vanilla humans they're trying to kill the witchless (laughs) (laughs) But they find that weak link. It's that guy, Alec, from before, which is played by the guy who is in Preacher. Joe Gilgan. Mama. (laughs) (laughs) Joe Gilgan, yeah. Joseph Gilgan, who is an absolutely wonderful character actor. Yeah, he's great. And it's also kind of funny that he's the weak link. (laughs) (laughs) Aw. He's a great actor. And they, like, fucked him. (laughs) They just underused him in this movie. Yeah. Like, that's the biggest crime. Isn't that what I said? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, they basically, like, kill him. And then, um, yeah, the Witch Queen has some shenanigans up her sleeve. But in the end, Calder defeats her. And uh, they keep her heart alive so that he can keep going to defeat other evil witch covens. Bummer for her, I guess. Oh, yeah. Michael Caine, I mean, uh, the 36 Dolan wasn't really dead. They brought him back to life. Hooray! Yeah. And uh, we get a scene at the end with them being pals again. Yeah, uh, That's the the perfect capstone to a wonderful film. Yeah. Hey, did you mention that Chloe the Dreamwalker? I forgot. You know, super important plot point that Chloe the Witch can, like, enter people's dreams <laughs> it ends up being another like way underused plot point. Yeah. Cool concept. Basically just a meaningless addition to this plot that like lets her go into Joe Gilgan's dream. I think it's okay because we got more screen time of Vin Diesel with Michael Caine. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I would give anything for that. All right. Well, that was a pretty concise and rousing summary. We should probably head into the delve. Welcome to The Delve, where we venture deep into the themes, scenes, and lore of The Last Witch Hunter. 
So, Cass, you mentioned something that I've never really considered about this movie before, where you said that Calder's a Christian, and I totally get why you would say that, but does the text of the film support that? I understand that there is a basically Catholic religious order that is built up around him, and that he had like in, like a priest, like a priest of the Christian God in his original life who kind of cursed him, by which I, I mean like- who left the heart alive. I see what you're saying. I think he's like Christian just as far as his job. (laughs) It's a career. Listen, I'm not really super into the faith, but like, you know. The practice. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we get like no spirituality from him in the movie. Not later on. I don't remember a single time where he like praise or references like a god he practices magic yeah um he's a man of business <laughs> he uh, i mean he does kneel before the priest to get blessed earlier that implies that he like believes in that oh yeah that makes sense and he's working with the order i mean i feel like the order are kind of like his groupies i feel well, that as yeah well. that's true like, he's like, uh, whatever, the order of the axe and cross, like, are sometimes useful to me, and sometimes they're more of an annoyance to me. I mean, he does still work with them, and, uh, they keep him a secret. True. They do help him out. I feel like his main commitment to them at this point is that him and Michael Caine are best friends. They also manage all of his affairs. They're like his personal managers. <laughs> Must be nice. Yeah. Yeah. They take care of all of his, like, false identities and all of his legal and, like, technological needs and everything. Now, they were hiding the heart to ensure he would stay alive and keep hunting witches. That's right. But it wasn't really addressed that it could be used to kill him if he ever... Went against them. Ooh, I think we're coming out with the plot for The Last Witch Hunter too. Yeah, well, Probably. it was addressed by Michael Caine. He was like, it was foolish and full of pride for us to assume that it would never fall into the wrong hands. If only there was a word for humans with godlike pride. You're right. I mean, when <laughs> the warlock Belial... Balthasar? Um, D's. <laughs> um, resurrected the queen. She took the immor- immortality. She took the Im- <laughs> immortality back from Vin. Suck <laughs> that, oh, no. immor- <laughs> that immortality right back up. <laughs> <laughs> the cowboy <laughs> version. Yeah. Oh, man. I would watch that, too. I mean, we know that. Calder must have lived in cowboy times. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, there's a whole franchise of movies of Calder just, like, being a hero <laughs> in different historical periods. Samurai Calder, cowboy Calder, pirate Calder. I mean, <clears throat> the yes. cowboys were a big thing in the American expansion. I mean, which was kind of started. Which? <laughs> what? Uh, the big heyday was like during the Victorian era, so go figure. Uh, he was hey. in New York already at that time. 
Was he? Yes. Oh, he does mention like he was there when they were building the city. Yes. Oh, yeah. He could have traveled. I remember when they put that headstone in back when this was just a field still, right? Yeah. He's like in the middle of Manhattan. Yeah. He says it was a cornfield. I don't think they ever grew corn on the, the on Manhattan. Press X to doubt. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Isle of Manhattan, yes. <laughs> well, I don't know if they're in Manhattan. They're definitely in Manhattan. Yeah, I mean, I've never been to New York, but I've watched a lot of movies. Yes. I prefer uh-huh. one Manhattan myself. <laughs> and so when it comes to the sequel being like, oh, they get a hold of the heart so they can control him. He locks the heart away in his special magic vault. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hopefully it's safe. However, Chloe mentions one of the reasons when uh, Calder is about to kill the witch queen, therefore killing himself. She, uh, Chloe's like, hey, don't do it. And he's like, why not? And she's like, well, there are things more deadly than the witch queen. I saw them when I was sucked into the root portal. She sees this giant, like, skeletal wooden demon thing in, like, another plane of existence, turning her into some undead-like being. Well, I kind of thought we were seeing her true face. Yeah, that was something that I was not sure about. Yeah, it is unclear, but witches usually have a glamour... To make themselves look more human. Yeah, so a big motif in this movie is that things are not what they appear to be. That's right. I wrote down, things are not always as they seem. That is a theme in Alice in Wonderland, too. I mean, Calder does have big Alice vibes. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> the long blonde hair, the yeah. pretty dresses. Yes. Wait. They like to take naps, maybe. Who doesn't? <laughs> I love naps. <laughs> I don't nap much. Let's rate this movie a one to ten naps. <laughs> Zero. This movie's exciting. It is exciting. I would never sleep through this film. No. Yeah, you didn't. <laughs> Thanks for saying that like it was an accomplishment. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> we started but, it earlier. Yeah, true. But I have to wake up early. But. But. There's a giant demon in the underground. But. Yes. The prison demon. And I wanted to touch base on yeah. witches being evil in this setting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole reason Calder gets into witch hunting isn't because it's his favorite thing to do. Although I, I think we could argue that. <laughs> At first, he does it just because he wants to save humanity. Yes. Humanity is about to go extinct. It's also personal. He's out to get revenge for his family dying in the plague. Yes. And it's self-destruction. Which, yes. in this setting, Which. <laughs> uh, the witch queen admits that she's the one who created the plague. Yeah. Yeah, she's fairly unambiguously evil, it seems. But she uses similar magic. That we see making this portal, which reveals this otherworldly demon entity. Right. And Calder acts in response to witches trying to kill people, right? Yeah. Very much he sees people as innocent until they start killing folks, right? I'll give him that. And to that degree, he is like a secret police. Oh, God. They call him yeah. a, a genocidal fascist. They in do. The movie. 
immortal genocidal immortal fascist yeah and that is definitely apparent because he targets a single minority group (laughs) yes yeah and they even have like message boards dedicated to like warning other witches about him yeah and so it's like okay he is fucking horrifying yeah and he does discriminate but uh God damn it, I really want to love this movie. He's not without restraint. And here's the thing. The witch uh the witches that we see as villains in this are supremacists. Sure. Who are trying yeah. to who are actively for the idea of genociding all humanity and making them go extinct. <laughs> I still am not 100 percent against this plan. Right. They want to just make the earth great again. Yes. Oh god. And Here's the thing. The wit- the witch queen looks a lot like this otherworldly demonic entity. I'm thinking that it's got some sort of corruptive abilities which turn witches like evil. You know what I'm saying? Could okay. be. And so Calder, uh, Chloe said like the only reason this thing hasn't become more of a problem is because you're around killing evil witches, right? Oh no. Yeah. The only way to stop a good witch with a gun. Wait, no. Is that me? <laughs> the a only, witch with a gun. The only, the only way to stop a bad witch with a gun is a good witch with a gun, right? Now, here's one thing that about what you just said that's ironic. Because the one reason you get in trouble with Calder is by being a witch and using magic to hurt humans. You can shoot people with a gun and Calder won't kill you over it. <laughs> yeah, he's fine with it. He the just cops might have the, yeah, 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 yeah. You well, have the so the, the movie's a little disjointed because like the whole, well, I don't know if disjointed is the word. When we see Calder in the modern era for the first time, he's on an airplane. He knows that magic's going on because he breathes on a window, and that's how he's able to tell that magic is going on. And it looks like your tattoo. <laughs> the other one. Yeah, that one. Yeah, there's an Icelandic <laughs> magic symbol that they use to represent magic uh, whenever he breathes on a window. What's it called again? The okay. compass. The Vegas Vetter. Nice. <laughs> Sounds and like, like STI. <laughs> 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 the vagisetter. The penis wetter. <laughs> so he's on this plane. Is that he, like something that makes your penis drip? <laughs> oh, God. That's an STI. It won't dry. It won't dry. <laughs> it's a creep. The ever wetter wiener. Did you piss, <laughs> Did you piss your pants? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like this. Listen, I pissed off a witch. <laughs> So Calder goes. <laughs> so Calder goes onto the like through the plane to find the witch, and he sits down next to her, and she's like, "Oh fuck, are you gonna kill me? You're like a fascist cop, right?" He's like, <laughs> "No, I'm not gonna kill you. I'm like, I don't kill witches that aren't a threat. You just like fucked up and brought these magic stones onto the plane, and you didn't realize that magic and science are the same thing, or whatever." Yeah, he equates magic with science. And he's like, you brought this into, you know, cloud cover. I don't, I'm not a science teacher. I have no fucking clue why these stones cause uh, lightning storms. But basically, he takes the magical rocks and is like, I'm, I'm going to let you go because you didn't do anything on purpose. It has to do with ions, Jamie. Sure. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, is that a? I mean, that's a noun. <laughs> Ion. So this has to do with something I wanted to talk about. Uh, the fact that this is actually kind of a a great area between science fiction and fantasy, because I mean, for I'll one, allow it. for one, he says science during the movie. True. Mm-hmm. Does he? Yes. Yeah, he says the word science. Hmm, okay. Um, Does he say the word fantasy? No. Hmm. It's like I'm living in a fantasy. <laughs> but there are swords. And magic. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, it, so part of it's about the past, and there's magic, and mythical beings. Yes. Okay. Like fantasy. Michael Caine. <laughs> um, yes. But then it's telling us something about our modern world. It's in a modern setting, and it's like... Uh, our world, but in a parallel universe. And he says science. So it's kind of like <laughs> it's science fantasy in a way. Okay, sure. And uh, so he uses a laser all- gun. <clears throat> I'm just kidding. They have <laughs> all of the modern trappings that we have at the time that the movie was made. So it was a similar trajectory to our world, which means. <laughs> Physics is a major science in their world, too. Yeah. Magic and physics. Yeah. Why don't we just have magic classes in school so that people can do real magic? Fuck. You're right. <laughs> oh, it, is it like another elective, like home ec? Yes. It's potions? <laughs> Absolutely. Herbalism? <laughs> that would be great. I mean, you can actually take real herbalism classes. Yeah, yeah, you can. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, this movie definitely says a lot about our modern world, which Jack is about to explain. <laughs> I was just thinking one of my favorite parts of the modern world is there are so many great ways to support your favorite artists. Yeah, oh, shit. that's true. Like what? I'm totally in the dark about this. Well, say, for example, you really liked our podcast, Swords and Satire. Which, of course, you do. Because we make art. I think I'm our biggest fan. <laughs> I don't know. We have, we have a few <laughs> listeners who might contend with you on that. That's true. One way you can support the show is by hopping over to patreon.com slash swords and satire. Really? What will happen if I go there? Well, there are a few options there for giving a couple bucks to support the show. Yes, our compulsion spells will take over your mind. Will there be baked goods? Baked good for baked goods for the soul. Ah, that's better and healthier for you. Less calories. Yeah, you get uh, goodies such as extra content like outtakes, rewriting histories, which are our creative twists and rewrites when it comes to films and media we've watched, like movie pitches. That's right. You get occasional ducks, occasional movie posters. You know, it's sporadic. It's fun. It's flirty. You'll like it. <laughs> it goes good with everything. Nice. You can wear our podcast with all your favorite outfits. That sounds pretty awesome to me. That's right. Starting as low as $2 and going up from there. Just go crazy with it. <laughs> <laughs> There's no upper limit. I might. Maybe with enough $2, we'll be able <laughs> to afford those modest New York apartments, like in this film we're talking about. True. With lush gardens. <laughs> And, like, just countless artifacts. Colossal studio apartments. Yeah. (laughs) 
It's okay. Colorado apartment only costs, let me check my notes here, $31,000 a month. (laughs) (laughs) That's the kind of money you only get from fantasy Catholicism. (laughs) Rigging in those God bucks. That's right. So Calder is the man out of time, right? This is a classic movie and media trope where, you know, we have this character who is from a past time or a different world, and they have to kind of navigate their way in the modern day and, like, deal with the problems of the world that they're not familiar with. That's totally not what this character is. The The modern world just fits Calder like a glove. Yeah. yeah. He's like, hey, I got buddies. I got this sweet apartment. It's an interesting twist on this trope. He definitely is not a Luddite. No. He's adaptable. Yeah. Michael Caine says so. In fact, he buys Dolan... 36 Michael Caine a tablet to use and Michael Caine is the one who's like oh actually I just prefer to use my books yeah yeah he smacks a fly with the book later in the movie he goes try doing that with a tablet from a corporation I won't say the name of yeah and I'm like one of our biggest platforms yes (laughs) I'm like I think you could I think you could kill a fly with a tablet too (laughs) just shatter the yeah I know seriously I mean I'm just saying you can do it okay it is able to be done it's a single use well actually once you kill a fly with it once that becomes its only function pretty much (laughs) fair also like wasn't that fly already dying yeah yeah michael kane just wanted to end its suffering (laughs) oh that was nice of him it was like a demon fly so in that scene (laughs) they are in modern day new york in a world that does not know that magic exists this is also like besides being like a pseudo fish out of water story which it totally ends up not being it's also a hidden underground like monster world that lurks just below the surface of our like modern sensibility story right yeah and just a a murder mystery and a murder mystery just a swarm of insects like locusts black in the skies of new york and then nobody talks about it for the rest of the movie well i was saying in broad daylight well i was saying it's like you know just your typical Tuesday there with all the cockroaches flying through. <laughs> That's fair. Everybody in New York's is like, whatever. <laughs> Long as the trains are running. Just looking <laughs> yeah. at their watch, like, isn't it a bit early for the swarms today? I like your New York accent. Yeah. Is it not a bit early for the swarms? Gotta get out my swarm shield. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking the trolley. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I've never been to New York. As far as I know, that's perfect. There's a lot of cockroaches, even in nice hotels. I'm talking more about Jack's accent. Oh. Yes. No. (laughs) One day when I was putting on my coat in a Sheraton in New York, I noticed something moving on my shoulder. And I looked over. It was a humongous fucking cockroach. It was at least two or three inches long and had wings, and it started flying away. <laughs> yes. I He's like, sorry, I got to get to work. I got to pay the rent. <laughs> it's the only way I can afford to live here. I freaked out. <laughs> yes. 
Did you know that cockroaches are closely related to praying mantises? Really? No. I did not. If I... you look at a praying mantis, it looks like the Pokemon evolution of a cockroach. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Well, speaking of praying, we have the modern church of the axe and the cross in this film. Yes. Yes. Jesus was like, I love witches, but if one steps out of line, you gotta kill those motherfuckers. <laughs> Jesus. The King James Version of the Bible. Yeah, that's that right. motherfucker. <laughs> I'm pretty sure in the King James Version, Jesus does not say, I'm totally cool with witches. It yeah. says, thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. Yeah. Because King James hated women. Yeah, he's the one who came after uh, Queen Elizabeth I. Now, hold and on. Find me a king who didn't hate women. <laughs> um, he came to power in 1603. He was first the king of Scotland. He was James IV there and James I in England. <laughs> And, I uh, hate the monarchy so much. The, <laughs> Queen Elizabeth I's reign was known as the Golden Age. And then he came along <laughs> and was like, kill all them bitches. I mean, witches. <laughs> it was a mistranslation. Yeah. Women with power, more like die. <laughs> oh, God. It's true. <laughs> but so, I mean, this is why this movie is interesting, right? I like the concept, because, again, it is just, like, the same concept as The Witcher. Like, yes. Calder is a witch hunter who doesn't want to do violence if he doesn't need to. But he is still a little fast, like I said. Also, he's the last witch hunter. Is he also the first witch hunter? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> like, we don't talk about the other witch hunters, because... The order of the axe and the claw and the the cross claws the axe and the claws <laughs> is that the Santa the Christmas episode? <laughs> yes, the order of the axe and the cross literally formed around Calder. Yeah. Like the first Dolan was the priest who went into the witch tree with him. Yes, and he survived as well as did a handful of the other fighters or, or priests. I, I'm not sure which, maybe both. Um, uh, I, I think they might have been uh, rogues or magic users. I don't think mm -hmm. he was the first, but he is the last. The movie says so. Okay. <laughs> the movie demands. <laughs> so can we do our sequel like Son of the Last Witch Hunter? Wow. Oh, shit. <laughs> and Nicolas Cage plays Calder's son. Oh, my God. Calder does get it on with a lot of people. He could have a bunch of kids out there. Yeah, so if we do a time jump to, like, whatever, 50 years later from this movie, where Calder is still exactly the same, and then Nicolas Cage is his son, who is the son of the last witch hunter. Okay, wait, I have a big question. So, we're talking about Calder and Plus his, we get some more sci -fi. his pro potential progeny. Yes. Um. So... He's not quite human anymore. I know you disputed me on this, Jimmy, but he he's is extra human. He is. Yeah. He's kind of a demigod at this point because he is carrying around the divinity of the witch queen. She's kind of like a goddess. He's so natural that it's super. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he is extra natural. And Jack, you're the one that actually made the point that she is like a goddess. 
Yeah, she is effectively a minor goddess. She yeah. has immortality, which we have not seen displayed in any other character. Or other witches. That's right. And she's, like, made out of nature, which is probably because she's some avatar of this greater demon. Yeah, we never see her use a glamour on herself like a lot of the other witches do. Right. No, and she just lets it all hang out. Yeah. And Bark um, skin. <laughs> Permanency and bark skin. Yes. Her coven in the past looked more like they were earthy creatures. Yeah. Or demonic earthy creatures, like a blending of black and green from Magic the Gathering. And uh, the modern ones are the ones that put the glamour on well, they're trying to fit humans. in to society. They are more like humans, though, than their ancestors. Yeah, I get the impression that the magic blood which modern witches have is heavily diluted. That's what they were saying, yeah. Yeah. And when she was, when Chloe was in the presence of this demonic will, yeah, it was like showing the face of her magical witch form. Yeah. But I don't think she has access to that normally. I don't think she lives with a glamour. Okay, maybe you're right. But I get the sense that if that entity came to the surface and came to power, it might create a resurgence in the witches that are around because... It caused her to transform in his presence, its presence. Yes. Yeah, one of the issues of this movie is that it, like, tries to throw in a lot of ideas. And world building. And world building. And I think that's awesome, but, like, it's not consistent. So when they go to the witch who runs the, like, fashion show, she has, like, basically a magical bobble that protects her glamour yeah that chloe breaks and then her facade then the the woman the older witch's facade shatters and she like crumbles into you know an old woman oh no yeah um i wish we had gotten to luxuriate in that part of the world a little bit more because that was pretty great the witchy fashion show oh absolutely um in fact i could take a whole movie of just that (laughs) Right. It was maybe like a spin-off series, like long form episodes. Oh my god. We got a Where we like go bit. into different industries that witches are part of. We get three in this movie. Yes. We get Chloe's bar, mm-hmm. which magical folks go to and that she was sells so cool. potions, mm-hmm. memory potions. Like and he calls it a fear potion, which it should really be called like a get over your fear potion. I'm not afraid of anything. Or yeah, like a right. protection spell. Yeah. And then uh, there's also Max. Max has like a bakery. Yeah. Which he puts bugs in the treats. Which has an effect on the humans. I can't quite remember. It makes them crave his sweets. Is that what it was? I thought it was something else. I thought like, oh, it's a mind control thing. Yeah. It, so they crave his sweets and they like it makes his business boom. <laughs> Just a little cocaine in the chocolate. <laughs> he denies doing anything untoward of course he does because calder's there calder's like you know it's a little sus you're using this magic on the human population and max is like what i'm not sus yeah no (laughs) (laughs) calder i'm a hurt yeah exactly max is fucking awesome yeah, um, and then we get the fashion show. Yeah, where they're using glamours to sell their products and have hot models. Yeah, pretty awesome. <laughs> um, but going back to Calder's potential progeny, uh, 
since he is kind of a demigod at this point, I think he would transfer a small part of that divinity to any potential kids he might have had. <laughs> so as long as the witch's heart is still alive, you think that Calder's seed is also immortal? Or carry some of that divinity in it, at least. Mm. Magical biology is gross. If you cut <laughs> off Calder's arm, <laughs> does it just stay? Like, well, he'd grow a new I one. I think he grows a new one. But does the arm that's been cut off just persist? We know that he would grow a new one because when he was, we got to see when he was first killed, he was basically a skeleton, but he painfully regrew his whole body. I hate when that happens. <laughs> this is the thing about like healing factor immortality that is always strange to me. It's like, what if you cut Deadpool in half vertically? I mean, the last movie we watched, she had the character Xenon, who when you cut his arm off, he spawned another Xenon. See, that makes sense to me. <laughs> I was wondering if that would happen to Vin. I mean, Calder. That just makes sense. I mean, this is another <laughs> option for a sequel. Yeah. Just because, like, okay, if you're going to be immortal... You uh, like if if I were going to write it so it wouldn't be sus like that, it would probably be that you just cannot sustain wounds. So you can't just have your skin penetrated at all. Yeah, but I mean, then you have like iron skin. Oh. I don't know. So that's yeah, more yeah, that's like um, Luke. What's it? Cage. Luke Cage. Luke Cage. Luke yes. Cage. But uh, yeah, because if you cut Calder in half. What half dies and what half grows back? It's like a it's like a dollar bill. You have to just have the majority side of it. I guess so. And one side will have one more cell than the exactly. other. Exactly. You can't perfectly cut the cells in half. No. <laughs> Whichever side has the most mass. Speaking about which, since you said the word, <laughs> did I? Let's talk about the witch government. Okay. Oh, yeah. The council. Witch politics? I'm here for it. The witch council is run by powerful witches. Yeah. And the, You would expect no less. They're at least level 20. That's right. And they have a zero, <laughs> fuck. A zero tolerance policy. If you fuck up, they immediately put you in jail yep. yeah, without no, trial. Yeah. One strike and you're out. Jack, the trial is the tarot card reading, okay? It's true. <laughs> That's such cool world building, too. She was like, there's no three of cups. He was working alone. <laughs> yeah. But everyone's like, yep, makes sense to me. She was wrong, though. She was wrong. Vin Diesel is like, fuck your cards. <laughs> well, I don't think that the cards could see through, like, the magical influence of Belial, right? Then what Maybe. good are they? Because it's for witches. <laughs> You're telling me that there's an imperfect legal system that doesn't account for the nuance of life and decision making and that has punitive systems that don't allow for any kind of variation and that that's not okay yeah boy i'm glad this is a fantasy movie oh right, right. give us more examples of a bad <laughs> legal system well, did you see how many witches were incarcerated in those walls? Yes. Oh, my God. We are shown that the witch council is a lot more, like, heartless than Calder is. And the witch yeah. queen, I think queen is the wrong term. The witch queen wants to free all of her people. Yeah. She's a witch freedom fighter. Oh, She's like she witch Jesus. <laughs> 
She kind of is, yeah. Wait, which Jesus? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> the Savior. Is the witch queen like the my hero of the story? In Christ, free my people. <laughs> she comes for the witch wronged. Is this like a case of the evil protagonist in Calder? Well, the thing is, probably not. The but. witch council is like, uh, you know, this guy's clearly Irish. Let's arrest him, right? Oh God! And uh, yeah. Calder is like, wait. We should probably interview him first and like the tarot cards told us everything we need, right? We don't have to interview him. We get such mixed messages with Calder. Well, see, the council are like closed minded bureaucrats and Calder is a true investigator. He's like Sherlock Holmes. He has all of the instincts of a, a detective. Yeah. Yeah. But he's still like also a murderer. It's kind of like part of his past, though. It's like that Batman quote. When you murder a murderer, the number of murderers in the world stays the same. <laughs> Unless you're Calder and you're one person and you've killed yeah. 10,000 murderers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, uh, he, ha- he did used to like just kill witches, but he changed over time. Like I like the idea that Calder is a recovering... Uh, murderer? murderer, I guess. Like he's allowing for nuance and rehabilitation, and so, he's pushing for the council to not just imprison Joe Gilgan. So we're see- yeah, we're seeing a character that's already had a redemption arc, basically. Yeah, yeah. They address the Salem witch trials, which I always think it's a little cringe when fantasy is like Salem was real. That's yeah. Like- I'm like, oh, good lord! But it's doesn't not he say th- that though? That does? Do they say that they were or were not real witches? Calder says that they were innocent women, uh, but he didn't think they were witches. And then uh, Chloe says, you know, oh, so but if they were witches, then it would have been justified. <laughs> He's like, no, why are you doing this to me? Actually, he just didn't say anything. Uh, That's when he conveniently noticed the dead body to get out of answering her question. Fair point. <laughs> he just kills a woman and is like, look, a dead body. Oh, yeah. God. oh God. It was another witch. Too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's stop talking about this. Are you reverting to your old ways? <laughs> oh, man. I loved this movie when we started this. Still good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's still good. So here's the thing. Uh, I have two theories. Okay. All witches exist because of the taint of this outer demon. (laughs) Taint. Because he teabags your soul. Oh, God. (laughs) But uh, so this outer demon thing, which we've seen, is the one who has created witches is an idea and the more diluted the blood you still have access to magic oh god this is also like a pure blood story fuck god i mean (laughs) hypothetically yeah well that's why the witches are supremacists because elijah wood is born from a witch family but doesn't have magic and so they're like you're actually cringe and they kill him right well yeah the queen queen does elijah wood kills him no, wait. Elijah Wood dies. He is killed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In the catacombs. Yes. I thought you meant his parents tried to kill him. No, no. The witch queen kills right. him. Yeah. And uh, so... He wanted her to give him his power ba- back, which I think she could do. But she was like, nah, you're basically a human, so fuck you. <laughs> so the witches being 
evil in this setting is probably more like they are closer to a demon entity. I do think you're right that the queen is an avatar of that demon. Yeah, Lord, or like a basically. champion. Yeah, 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 yeah. And is probably... They're buds. ...created or related to him in some way. Co-workers, at least. <laughs> yeah. And so, Calder fighting an otherworldly demon is fine. Sure. Yes. It's just that it manifests... As a, a a minority group, he continually targets. <laughs> yes. Almost like a genocide. Yeah. Oh, he does say, though, he's like, please stop calling me genocidal because I could have genocided you if I wanted to. Not better. Not better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's like, thank God for my nuance. He was like, I did the math. I've had the time. Yeah, it's true. Fuck, I forgot about that line. Yeah. Oh, man. So he thought about it. The thing, the thing is like fear, just fear, right? Because it's like, it's like a nuclear arms race, right? Where he's like, I'm witches have the potential to be strong enough to kill all humanity mm -hmm. if they go that route. And he was probably thinking like, should I kill all witches just to ensure that that doesn't happen? Oh. Which is a lot like. Like, I, in my mind, it's a lot like a country building nukes to be like, so no one nukes us or we'll nuke them. It's not exactly. The witch's arms race. Yeah. It's just like, should I get rid of the, should I eliminate the threat before it becomes a problem? Mm. Is what oh. Calder is worrying about. Which is, in the real world, no, don't do that. <laughs> because. Education, the powerful tool, people. Yes. It, it is always sus in fantasy settings. It's a huge theme of the Dragon Age series. There are the Templar Knights, which imprison Witch. wizards. Yeah, they imprison wizards because wizards can get possessed by demons and kill people. Right. right. It's very similar to this movie. Yeah, fantasy movies have a very fascist undertone, unfortunately, a lot of or fantasy worlds often do. Yeah, well, so do superhero series and stuff. True. Yeah. Well, I guess it's just a big, like, philosophical question, like, how much should you impose your will on the world, right? <laughs> and if you start doing it a lot, you're a fascist, right? Yeah, I mean, Calder, unfortunately, <laughs> lacks some of the, the like, philosophical edge of, like, Geralt. Yeah. Right? Like, Geralt has a job that he does where he his main deal is protecting people from things that are just like monsters of chaos. Yeah. Yeah. Calder has like a long history of murdering witches just because they were witches because he was traumatized. We don't exactly know that we have no evidence that every witch he killed was not also out to get people. <laughs> I hate this line of inquiry. <laughs> Well, the assumption that he's killing innocent witches as just as little evidence as the evidence that he's killing, like, savages. But he said <laughs> that he could have killed all the witches. Yeah, but he didn't. <laughs> Not, only slightly better. Yeah. And uh, the one thing that I think is troubling, one thing, one of the things I think is troubling is the witch prison. Like we were saying. I thought you were going to say floor candy. 
No, not that. <laughs> that makes sense to me. But uh, in the witch prison, there are like thousands. Yes. It's yeah. like, these are thousands of the most deadly, dangerous witches across all time. Ones he hasn't killed. Yeah. Which is interesting. He was like, when we found out we could imprison them, we didn't have to kill them. It's like, oh, great. Eternal. Yeah. Eternally trapped. I know. And <clears throat> they're in some kind of stasis, but they're still conscious. Yeah. And who knows what they are aware of in that consciousness. And it is never discussed what the fate of them is. Because if you're just going to leave them in stasis for all eternity, you killed them. Yeah. They're dead. Or you might be worse than death. You fate worse than death to them. It's true. And uh, it would have been nice if there was, like, even a single line in, like, like until we can rehabilitate or something. Yeah, with all the other, like, ridiculous one-line world-building, like, that would have been something. Yeah. And we know that Calder believes in an afterlife. So he's keeping all of these people from moving on. It's like, what? what is... Well, he's not. The Witch's Council are. But he works with them. Because this is an instance of self-policing minorities. Yeah. Oh, God. It's like, in the real world... There is an argument for prisons, and uh, whether or not you agree with them, there's people argue for them. Sure. Whether or not they actually rehabilitate people, well, it depends on the methodology. Spoilers, they generally don't. They generally do not. And uh, There are some fringe cases where it's worked out. It's true. When it comes to, like, a person who's... Like, okay, let's say there is a witch that's just a genocidal nuclear bomb walking around, right? Sure. And he, like, locks them up. Only if they're level 14 or higher. Though. That's right. Like, he's probably just, like, why do, Why didn't he kill that person? If he kills witches all the time for having that mentality, why did he start locking them up rather than killing them? Right. If he has no intention on trying to, like, cure them of demonic possession, which is a thing in the setting. He read Foucault's Crime and Punish and, like, completely missed the point. I just don't get what his goal is. Because he has to believe by imprisoning them either that just, like, killing at all is wrong, which he doesn't believe. No. Or that there is some sort of chance for these people to be rehabilitated, which we get no evidence of. So it's just, like, Vin Diesel is, like, prison is better than murder. And so, like, as the audience, you're just supposed to understand that. But this is not that simple. No, no, it's definitely not. And when you start thinking about it like we are, it actually seems pretty horrible. It's like, why is he doing any of that? <laughs> Just, it's basically an oubliette. Yeah. It turned out to really backfire because the Witch Queen was able to tap into it as a source of power. I, actually, I think that there's a smart interpretation, though, because, you know, Calder, whatever Calder's solution to things would be... It's this witch's council that's based on an accord that was signed between some governing body of humans and then the governing body of witches, right? So it's an agreement. Now, first off, who are the humans who signed this agreement? Are these like world leaders? Are they like... People on the street. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Like what authority speaks for all humanity? Oh, Jim signed this. Who's Jim? He died about 400 years ago. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. We have this agreement with your with your species. It's like, there's mil- like billions of humans. What are you talking about? Our species. Yeah. 
But, I mean, this is how politics tend to happen, right? This is a real-world thing where you get these groups of elected or otherwise authorities who make decisions for everybody else, and their solutions rarely offer any genuine benefit to the masses, but they get to make these decisions. So the witches get to say, oh, we're dealing with this problem in this way that humans understand, right? Oh, imprisonment. We're getting this chance to to do this thing. And really, they probably know it is like a fate worse than death. Yeah. Humans this is like, love this. This is petty on the witches' council part. Maybe, yeah. Could be. They do seem pretty, like... Cold and cruel. Yeah. Well, they say to um, Alec that when they're trying him, quote unquote. Yeah, and it's basically a convicting him. Yeah, they say to him that uh, their authority, what they do, is the only reason why the witches aren't just like persecuted and hunted and to uh, extinction. So all I'm saying is, I'm not sure. That I recognize the authority of the Witches' Council or the human, quote-unquote, authority that signed these accords. There is no more Witches' Council. They all died. True. But I also don't acknowledge them. I don't acknowledge their death, either. (laughs) It didn't happen. Calder might put a puppet council in their place who does his will. Oh, God. (laughs) You guys are making me hate this character. (laughs) He's not so bad. <laughs> he was around. He w- He's a medieval guy doing his best in a modern society. He's adapting pretty well. I guess he's adapting to the dominant hegemonic culture. So he's would got you rather have a cop doing it? <laughs> I feel like it's the same difference. He is a cop. Yeah, it's basically a grim. He's just a witch cop. He's a witch cop. He's a grim. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> that fucking show. Yeah. Anyways, I think it's probably time for us to head into the smithy. Welcome to the smithy. We're each forger rating for this movie after we share an epic moment or feature from the film. Cass, do you want to tell us your epic moment or feature and then give us a rating from 1 to 10 flaming swords? Ooh, flame. Oh, yeah, there's a flaming sword. And it's a practical flaming sword, right? Because it has like an oil spigot. Oh, yeah. Steel and fire. That's right. Yes, and he has that mantra, he says, as he's luing it up. (laughs) Luing? Lubing. (laughs) Gotta lube that sword up. Yeah, with oil, which is lube. Um, okay. Not necessarily interchangeable. There's also water-based lube, but that doesn't catch on fire. That's true. (laughs) Would it douse the fire? Yes. Okay. I've got the lube that sets it on fire and the lube that puts out the fire. (laughs) Just squirting it everywhere. Oh, God. Okay, so my (laughs) epic moment is when Calder goes to uh, the 36 Dolan's office after he's learned that he's died to see if there's any shenanigans, any magic. He almost misses it because there was a glamour spell in place. He 
uh, pours some sand on the ground <laughs> and reveals a magic magic circle. This part's pretty great. With a pentacle. And then the whole room starts splitting up and glass is flying everywhere. The floor splits up in a really cool way and everything's jostled off the shelves. And it's not just like a magical waving of your wand. It's a very physical reaction in the environment around them when the glamour is lifted. It's like an eruption. Yeah, it's really cool. And um, I like the practical effects and the physicality of that i thought it was really neat and it was also a cool investigation moment when he was figuring out that there's a mystery at hand a foot a foot where <laughs> despite calder being a bit fash i uh do like this movie it's a lot of fun it does have a lot of cool lore that i would love to Explore further. It just uses the lore shotgun. Yeah. Qu quantity over quality. <laughs> it's true. But I think that, yeah, it does like kind of try to throw too much in there without explaining it enough. And I'm not a fan of the investigation of like a murder mystery being blown up to such epic proportions at the end, it is kind of disjointed and disorienting. That's just what Vin Diesel does to a movie. <laughs> Every time he laughs. It's like, how did we get the special effects budget? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, his laugh is more unhinged than that. <laughs> True. <laughs> so I'm going to give it an eight out of 10 flaming swords. Uh, Mostly because it's just a lot of fun. That's fair. Yeah. How about you, Jack? What's your epic moment or feature and then your rating from 1 to 10 flaming swords? Well, I'm glad you asked. My uh, epic moment or feature has got to be the intro of the movie. Oh, nice. I like when we're getting like... Mm viking calder with his buddies sweet mohawk and beard yeah exactly just glued onto him it like it looks like a prop but like a good movie prop you can tell it's a prop and i think that's just fun yeah i it actually made it a little more charming to me because i'm like oh this is fun <laughs> right and he just looks cool with like his flaming sword the badass look the big tree all the monsters in there, their illusions. Yeah. Calder just has that determination, and you can tell he's like he's he's like sacrificing himself to yes. save the world. He's doing it for humanity, and I think that's cool. <laughs> as far as an intro goes, that's badass. Yeah, Great a, way to establish the setting. A character building moment that never gets built upon later. If if the entire movie was like the intro, it would be a 10 out of 10 for me. Nice. And like the idea that the witch is like, oh, you want to fucking die? How about fucking live, idiot? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, and then she turns oh, to the camera. Oh, oh no. <laughs> and then the she turns to the camera and is like, this is a tool that's going to help me hundreds of years down the line. <laughs> She's a planner. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that was so sick. That was epic. It, it was so much fun. Very epic. Very moment. Yes, very moment. Now, when I look at the movie as a whole, uh, in the future, the plots are 
pretty evident. I'd say it's like an action movie. Treat it like an action movie. <laughs> I agree. Where it's like the plot isn't the main outstanding feature of this. It's very much the 12 year old. Look how cool this is. Yeah. And it is cool a lot of the time. Uh, there are a lot of concepts which are interesting. Like Vin Diesel said in the interview about this, like the flaming sword, right? Like dream walking, time travel, immortality, cool concepts like at face value, but they were all kind of underutilized. There are a lot of things that aren't examined on like the implications. It's very much just like, here's what we thought is cool. And it's like, I don't know if you really thought that through very thoroughly. And uh, the characters feel kind of forced sometimes. The relationships feel definitely forced when it comes to the romance plot. Yeah. And uh, like you guys thought of Calder as this very well socialized character when there's an entire plot of how he doesn't connect to people. And uh, we didn't even mention that. True. Uh, that is actually character growth that Chloe provides. And uh, like it, we totally glossed over it because it's not that great. And uh, but all that in mind, I'm also going to give this movie an eight out of ten swords. I almost talked myself into giving it lower. But like the movie is a lot of fun. This is the second time I've seen it. I want to see it again. It is fun. And, uh, like, I I mean, I recommend it if you just like cool fantasy that <laughs> it's not that deep. If you don't like cool fantasy, I don't know why you're listening to this yeah, show. Yeah. Please uh, hit our social media up with an explanation. Yeah, I mean, hey, I, I God bless you if you're here with us. But. but, yeah, 8 out of 10. It's just a lot of fun. It's not like a masterpiece or anything, but it's a good time. Yeah. What about you, Jamie? What's your epic moment and or feature in rating out of 10 flaming swords? Yeah. Tell us, Jamie. I'm glad you asked. I think that my epic moment is when they're pulling Colder out of the magical fantasy woman's... <laughs> sorry, magical fashion woman's <laughs> place. And fucking Kurt Angle, former WWE world champion, is one of the bodyguards... Nice. I'm just kidding. That's not my epic moment. Although that is very funny that they just have one shot of Kurt Angle yeah. uh, sneaking, in the movie. Sneaking two epic moments. In there. <laughs> he does that every once in a while. I yeah. do. Now, I'm just a big wrestling fan, so I had to give a shout out to Kurt. Yes. No, my epic feature of this movie is Vin Diesel and Michael Caine's relationship. I'm Obviously. so glad. Oh, my God. So, every, I, like, I don't want to be, like, calling anybody out. Vin Diesel's chemistry with female leads in any movie they're in never works. I don't know why. Maybe I like, maybe he just loves his wife so much he can't connect with other actresses or with actresses. I don't know what it is. My, Michelle Rodriguez and him in The Fast and the Furious, uh, the girl who plays former Jack in. The Chronicles of Riddick. Yeah. You just never buy these relationships. And he and Rose Leslie in this movie just have no chemistry until the end when they're like, kind of seem like they're buds. Right. But Michael Caine and Vin Diesel, apparently, from what I've heard, are real life, very good friends. Michael Caine came out of retirement or temporary, like, hiatus from acting to do this movie and... 
And they seem like they are having so much fun together that it just bleeds off the screen. Yeah, it's really great. Like, an entire movie of them, like, snarkily, like, kind of having fun together and Vin being like, oh, come on, kid, like, you're not going to let an old man like me outpace you, are you? And all this stuff would just be amazing. I would be here for it all day long. It's so much fun. As far as my rating goes, I don't think that this is a perfect movie by any stretch, but I do think it is a great, great time. All of the kind of unexamined social aspects of the movie, I totally get. And if that is a distraction to you as a viewer, I respect the hell out of that. Yeah. I personally am mostly able to look past it because the movie is a lot of fun and it's a silly fantasy not that we should let themes go unexplored and unexamined. I'm not saying that. I, I mean, that's what we do here on this show. We dig into these things and we like get into the weeds with them. But I can still enjoy this movie for being a fun action romp, for trying some new things, and for building on classic fantasy movie tropes and styles and i mean the fact that vin diesel basically got to bring his DD character to life on the big screen like i can't be mad at this movie for its flaws because what it does right is just a blast so with that in mind i think i'm going to give this movie nine out of ten swords Again, not to say that it's like a near-perfect movie necessarily, but it's such a good action movie that does so many interesting things and does try to build an interesting world. I think it deserves credit that it never got. So that's why I'm giving it a slightly higher rating than I might otherwise. And just because for me personally, it just super works. It's one of your favorite movies. I think it's fair. It is. We sometimes watch it on my birthday. That's how much I like it. So what can I say? But, you know, guys, I have a question for you. What? What are we watching next week? Oh, yeah. We're going to be watching Among the Shadows and talking about it. What the fuck is that? It's about a motherfucking werewolf private investigator. Nope, I'm sold. Yeah. So another Sherlock Holmes type of movie. So it's going to be Spooky Investigations Month. Is that our theme? Maybe loosely. <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah, we're a little loose around here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be a lot of fun. I was super stoked about it when Jack and I found that movie. <laughs> you know what else I look forward to, though? What's that? Your memes every week. Oh, thanks. You mean the ones that I post on social media? Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're super on point. Cool. You know, if people want to see the memes that I make for our show and to kind of keep up with what we do here, they can always follow us at Swords and Satire on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. They always get a chuckle out of me. A little bit of hee-hee-ha-ha. <laughs> yeah, seeing those memes and that extra content is pretty great. Social media is a great way to connect with your favorite artists. Another way you can connect with us is to support the show on Patreon, like we mentioned earlier. Oh, yeah. But that isn't the only way you can support us. True. Nuh-uh. Another great way you can support us is by... Starting a war in our name. (laughs) If you have to. (laughs) 
Or start peace in our name. Thank you. First time ever. (laughs) In your goddamn life. Peace through comedy. That's right. And a great way to foster peace is to share art. True. And you could share our art, swords and satire, with your friends and family. A great place to start with your community. Let them know you love them. By watching fantasy movies with them and then listening to our show together. That's how we do it. That's right. What is your love language? Swords and satire. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Agreed. I love yeah, because find a potential mate through our podcast. Yeah. Exactly. Mate. <laughs> yeah. Is this? Oh, a- I'm sorry. The word is partner, isn't it? Werewolf erotica. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Kathy's reading preferences have infected my mind. <laughs> And so, yeah, a great way to support your favorite uh, artists is to share your favorite art with your favorite people. True. And to praise your favorite deity. That's right. So, until next time, Hail Hail Cry!